Hello and welcome to Voicebox, your weekly guide on public radio and podcast to the art of singing and the best of the vocal music scene. I'm your host, Chloe Veltman. Thanks for joining me this evening. When most of us think about flamenco, twirling castanets, snapping dancers in crimson dresses come most readily to mind. Because the dancer is front and centre in a flamenco performance, it's easy to assume that dance is the most important aspect of the art form. But in fact, it is the singing that is the heart and soul of the genre. On tonight's show, we're going to get right to what matters most by exploring Cante Flamenco, Flamenco Song. Cante is one of the three main components of flamenco, along with toque and baile. In the studio, to help us learn about the development of Cante Flamenco, I'm joined by two great exponents of the flamenco art form right here in the Bay Area, Carola Zertuce and Nina Menendez. Hi, Carola and Nina. I'm delighted that you could join us. Hello. Hola. Carola is the Artistic Director of San Francisco Theatre Flamenco. She was born in Mexico, where she began her dance career. In addition to performing alongside renowned artists such as Domingo Ortega and Juan de Angelica, she's performed with the company Los Tarantos. Carola now divides her time between performing, choreographing and teaching. Nina is the Artistic Director of the Bay Area Flamenco Festival. She's also active in the local flamenco community as a singer and has been involved in flamenco for most of her life. Nina established close ties with prominent flamenco families in the Andalusian towns of Moron, Lebrija and Utrera and devotes her time to sharing her passion for flamenco with Bay Area audiences. So Nina and Carola, I always thought that dancing was the most important aspect of flamenco. It's certainly the most visible part. What makes singing the heart and soul of the art form rather than choreography, as most of us think? Because, well, for me, I think the singing is the, what inspires you know, to make your choreography and the music. It actually, singing, the flamenco cante is a vessel for the passing down of the traditions in the oral culture of the gypsy communities of Spain. Um, the songs are actually not songs, but uh, verses that mm. are freely mixed and matched. And each one of these verses uh, is passed down through the families uh, as a way of transmitting the cultural history of the gypsies. The gypsies don't have a written literature. So actually these um, verses represent the, the life, manifestation no? of the cultural uh, identity of the gypsy people. And the, they don't create new verses, typically. Um, it's usually always the same verses passed down for, for centuries. So, And, of course, they evolve over time. But what's interesting is that before there was even uh, theatrical uh, manifestations of flamenco, and even to this day, in the communities themselves, uh, families and friends gather to sing as part of their everyday life. And dancing happens spontaneously, um, sparked by the, the singing. It's not done as a, um, a choreography at all. It's mm. just done as an expression of, uh, in reaction to the singing itself. So you're improvising when you're dancing, yes. Carola? Mostly improvising. Okay. You have to sing. Okay, well, the story of flamenco song is extremely rich and complex, and we're only going to be able to 
touch the iceberg of it, I think, uh, in this hour. Hailing from Andalusia in the south of Spain, the art forms has roots in a wide variety of folkloric traditions, such as Persian Ziriab songs, the classical Andalusian orchestras of the Islamic Empire, Jewish synagogue chants, Mozarabic forms like Zarkias and Zambra, and Arabic Zayal, which was actually the foundation for the Fandango. And there's also a dizzying array of subgenres of cante flamenco. I know that you have some very interesting thoughts that you want to share about, about that, Nina, um, and a noble history of incredible practitioners of the art form who helped to make flamenco the global phenomenon it is today. So where to begin? I thought we could start by taking a journey to Granada in Andalusia. It's June the 14th, 1922, and El Concurso del Cante Hondo, a well-known celebration of the art of flamenco organized by the composer Manuel de Falla with the help of the poet Federico García Lorca, is well underway. One of the first place prize winners is a 12-year-old cantaor named Manolo Ortega, who comes from a well-known bullfighting and flamenco gypsy family. Under the pseudonym El Caracol, Ortega goes on to become one of the greatest flamenco singers of all time. Let's listen to El Caracol in action now. Here's La Salvadora Zambra. ¿Qué razón tenía? La pena traidora que el niño sufriera por la salvadora. Diecisiete años tiene mi criatura y yo no extraño de tanta locura. Eres tan hermosa. If you've just joined us, welcome. I'm Chloe Veltman and this is Voicebox, public radio's weekly show all about singing. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes. On tonight's show, we're exploring the world of flamenco vocals with Carola Certuce, Artistic Director of San Francisco Theatre Flamenco, and Nina Menendez, Director of the Bay Area Flamenco Festival. We just heard one of the greatest flamenco cantaores, or singers, to emerge from the golden age of flamenco in the early 20th century, Manolo Ortega, also known as El Caracol. Nina and Carola, what made him so special as a singer? Why, at the age of 12, did he win this incredible competition? What was, What is it about his voice that's so powerful? Well, among um, flamenco aficionados in Spain uh, in the 20th century, in the late 20th century, there were a division between the people who um, felt strongly about caracol singing mm. and the people who felt strongly about Mairena singing, mm -hmm. Antonio Mairena, another incredible singer in the history of flamenco. So there are the caracolistas and the mm -hmm. mairenistas. Mm -hmm. And these are two schools of, of flamenco singing. Caracol was known for being somewhat more classical and um, having somewhat more of a trained voice, mm -hmm. um, whereas Mairena was more um, thought to be more of an improvisational singer, more... Um, more and more encyclopedic in his singing. Oh, okay. So specifically as regard the voice, I think probably it has to do with um, a more mm, smooth tone singing in the mm. case of Caracol and a rougher style of singing in the case of Mairena. Okay. And people went wild yeah. for both for both varieties. Okay, well we're going to spend most of our time tonight talking about singers who have built on the reputations of these two that we just mentioned, as well as other great flamenco artists. Um, but before that, let's briefly take a step further 
back in time. Nina, we spoke on the phone. Um, you're very engaging on the subject of the roots of flamenco. Can you tell us a, l- a little bit more about the very early uh, years, and the, the early development before we get to this sort of so-called golden era in the late 19th century? Well, they say that flamenco was developing during this period from the time that the gypsies arrived in Spain, bringing with them all the influences that they picked up on the road between India, North Africa, and the Iberian Peninsula. So they arrived in Spain, or I should say they arrived in the uh, to the Iberian Peninsula, and it was basically a, a period of ethnic cleansing mm. where uh, Jews, Moors, uh, gypsies, all were being... Uh, forced to either renounce their other religions and become Christians or leave the Spanish Peninsula Mm. altogether. And what happened was that gypsies, um, they were relegated to certain trades like blacksmithing and um, basket weaving and horse trading and so forth. And uh, flamenco uh, was developing at this time as they uh, uh, began... Uh, mixing the influences that they brought from their travels over the centuries from India through North Africa with the local regional traditional musics that they encountered um, in the south of Spain. And they began to create their own versions of all of this and their own mix and their own transcultural music, dance, and so forth. So it was very hermetic. Um, It wasn't, there weren't um, professionals, of course. I mean, we're talking about as I was saying, you know, 15th, 16th, 17th century, 18th century. So during this whole period of time, only occasional mentions of um, flamenco or anything like flamenco were um, reflected in, in, the, in the literature, let's say, uh, when one would read travel uh, accounts of foreigners that were visiting the area and they would mm. mention, you know, this dancing and, and, and singing of the gypsies. But actually... Um, it, it's not until in the late 19th century that you begin to find manifestations of uh, more public mm-hmm. expressions of what we know today as flamenco. Well, let's listen now to another terrific uh, flamenco vocal celebrity from that period, from the Golden Age. Here is Antonio Chacon with uh, a malangueña que te quise con locura. I loved you dearly. This is Voice Box with me, your host, Chloe Veltman. And that was the great Golden Age flamenco cantaor Antonio Chacon with Quetequise con Locura. I loved you dearly. I'm in the studio with Carola Zertucci, Artistic Director of San Francisco Theatre Flamenco, and Nina Menendez, Artistic Director of the Bay Area Flamenco Festival. We're talking about the vocal side of flamenco. Many of the earliest flamenco songs are said to have been dark and brooding in nature, dealing with bloody encounters, violent deaths, love betrayed, displacement, incarceration, sickness and loss. The one we just heard is no exception. Are the subjects of flamenco songs always so interminably dark? A lot of flamenco is um, 
in that way dark and, and talks about these sort of themes because it reflects some of the really hardships of the life of the gypsy community mm-hmm. um, going through marginalization and repression and um, uh, you know some of the I remember a lyric for example that says uh, we're standing on the corner and see that one over there that's a gypsy kill him kill him mm. you know and that's um, the cry that they that they heard as they stood on the corner so that's the kind of lifestyle that's reflected many times and just hunger poverty um, and illness and so forth on the other hand in the gypsy community the the singing often is very humorous mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and many times um, because the in the the darker letras or verses are so um, striking and and intense um, we tend to focus on them more but Actually, a lot of flamenco ha- is very humorous. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, fun, it comes no? to mind. Yeah. yeah, it's not always. That's right. And it comes to mind uh, a letra uh, right now about how one singer says, oh, I love potatoes with yeah. um, <laughs> with vinaigrette. I just love them. I love them. And it, mm-hmm. and what makes it funny is not just the subject matter, but also the way that the singer plays with the rhythm mm-hmm. and the rhyming of the words. So, um it's very humorous and and it goes along with uh in fact often the music will then go into the major key which enhances the humorous effect of the of the words okay well we're going to talk about the more lighter side of uh flamenco later on it's good to hear that it's not all the sort of music that makes everyone want to slash their wrists that kind of darkness um so um, it strikes me, though, that when we're talking about the, the really dark side of flamenco, that the darkness is very much has a kinship with the themes you get in the national music of Portugal, Fado. Mm-hmm. Um, do you perceive a link there, or is it just a coincidence that these two sunny countries lying next to each other on the map should share the same penchant for negativity and downheartedness when it comes to songwriting? I don't know enough about Fado, really, yeah. to make a deep connection there. I would say that in Fado, though, you do tend to have songs where in flamenco they don't. There's no such thing as a song. There's no such thing as a song. Well, only in very, very modern flamenco. I mean, basically highly produced um, flamenco after 1980. But isn't what we've been listening to so far in the show a song? No. No. It's what are they then? <laughs> Tell it. You can call it a letra. Letra yeah. son o palo, no? Well, letras, I don't know. We can each one is a verse. Yeah. So. In flamenco, you never sing. They they don't sing songs. Yeah, songs uh, just. They're verses that are freely mixed and matched. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the improvisational nature of flamenco is that the singer will pull out different verses and combine them in different order, uh-huh. um, according to the specific yeah. mood or uh-huh. or situation, or their family's legacy. So. Um, perhaps uh, their family always sang these specific letras, so those are the ones uh-huh. that they sing. And the letras are the verses. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't uh, have a particular sequence at all. Really, the basics are, you know, a di- the different palos, and within each palo, these freely mixed and matched verses. I see. So, obviously, there's a giant taxonomy here, and I know that, uh, you know, breaking things down into these academic boxes is... Uh, well, it's it's not natural, really, f- yeah. for singers to do, I suppose. Um, but I think just it would be quite good if we could just at least talk about the three kind of main groups that today people tend to break flamenco down into. I know uh, that you're 
you don't necessarily think these classifications are very helpful, but I think it would be fun to try anyway. So let's start with the heavy stuff. Um, there are the three broad categories, cante grande, cante intermedio, and cante chico. Um, tell us about cante grande, uh, Carola and Nina. What, what does the term mean? I think it's more the deep, no? The sole, eh, seguirilla, martinete, no? Eh, what was the word? The it's deep. deep. It's a deep style. It's very serious. Very serious. And then some of them doesn't have, eh, it's more libre, no? Como el martinete, no? Que it, and even doesn't have guitar. They're sung a cappella. A cappella, uh-huh. Some of them are sung a cappella. The primary quality that is emphasized is the expressiveness. And in the cante hondo, this is really important. Um, in fact, often uh, they begin with what's called a quejido, or a, a cry of despair. Um, and uh, this is an improvisatory moment in the singing uh, that the singer uses to warm up their voice, mm. to show their own personality, but also to really give a sense of the ex- what they're going to express, yeah. the deepness of the feeling that they're going to express. Yeah. I'm Chloe Veltman and this is Voicebox. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and friend us on Facebook. And please download our free weekly podcasts by visiting voicebox-media.org or iTunes. Tonight we're exploring the flamenco vocal music tradition with Bay Area flamenco experts Nina Menendez and Carola Zertucci. The track we just heard was an example of a cante grande, which is the most serious form of flamenco. The song's title was Solea de Farruco, and it was performed by El Chocolate, also known as Antonio Nunez. So it was a very powerful song. Carola, can you tell us about the the, the expressivity of this song, the soulfulness? What did you hear in the song? Uh, this one, as we say, is he was singing for El Farruco, a dancer that you can see, yes, it was really deep here, nothing we can hear it. Because they used to, he always used to sing for him. Farruko is, is was one of the greatest uh, flamenco dancer. Mm-hmm. He have like a dynasty, no, familia, los Farrucos. And his main thing is was solea, him dancing solea. It was like one of the greatest. And they both the chocolate and, and Farruko together. You can hear it in the recording. It was like, pfft. and the audience yes. went wild. Yes, <laughs> and both of them they get inspired between when he start to sing and then you when Farruko he used to dance to his singing. It was like very great communication between them. So let's move on to discussing the second 
big broad genre we're going to look at the um the cante intermedio how do you distinguish cante intermedio from the the type of cante that we just heard grande o hondo personally i have no idea what cante yeah. intermedio is <laughs> there is no different but they say no they is between the grande and the chico. It can be, I don't know, maybe tientos, taranta. It's something Malaguen, in between. Bit, yeah. But as we say, it's the palos, no? Okay, so they're all kinds of palos. Well, we're going to play this track now, um, Manuel Vallejo. Um, it's, uh, it's a tarantas. Can you tell us about tarantas? What is, what is tarantas? Well, tarantas is another type uh, of style, no? Of mm -hmm. Palo, that is come from Cartagena. Tarantas is um, from a whole different region than mm -hmm. the Solea and the Seguiria and the Buleria. The, the major forms, um, you know, that really are the core of flamenco would be um, Martinete, Solea, Seguiria, Buleria. Mm -hmm. And then these other forms, like the Taranta, are from other regions and so um, they have many of this. They 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 have much of the same emo emotivity, but they have specific themes, like Carola mentioned. In this case, coming from the mining region, the themes have more to do with the work in the mines mm -hmm. and that lifestyle. Well, let's listen now then to this song. Uh, this sorry, this uh, palo, uh, this cante from Manuel Vallejo. tuned into Voicebox with me, Chloe Veltman. I'm in the studio with Nina Menendez, Artistic Director of the Bay Area Flamenco Festival, and Carola Zertuce, the Artistic Director of the San Francisco Theatre Flamenco. Don't forget, you can get our free weekly podcasts on iTunes and at www.voicebox-media.org. We just heard a fantastic example of, of a taranta. The track was performed by Manuel Vallejo. Let's turn our attention now to the Cante Chico. Uh, again, another perhaps not so useful yes. category, but a category nonetheless. Can you um, tell us a little bit about this kind of song? It's more lighthearted, right? But not light, because the same, what we say is they can sing very nice alegrías or tangos. They are so nice and it's, it doesn't have to be light. No? I don't know, that's the category, but that's what they say, no uh -huh. tangos, bulería. Okay. Alegrías, cantinas. So what are the so, so what are the distinguishing qualities, if if anything? The ri the rhythm, no, sería a, a more upbeat tempo. I see. Mm -hmm. And often um, we're influenced by the cantes de ida y vuelta, the the music that had um, some influences from Latin America. So sometimes it would include things like, um, you know, uh, a rumba, mm -hmm. which has a tremendous influence from um, Caribbean. Mm -hmm. uh, music and this was you know due to the fact that people were traveling back and forth uh, between the Caribbean and Spain uh, like particularly to the port of Cadiz 
which is right in the heart of flamenco world in the western part of Andalusia. And that port was one of the main places where um, ships would come back and forth between the mm-hmm. Americas and um, and Spain. And the, the music coming out of that region tends to be uh, very influenced by Latin American and Caribbean forms. It tends to have a, an upbeat and humorous feel to it and um, perhaps fits best into this category, yeah. the cante chico. We just heard a more light-hearted song. Actually, it was a song, wasn't it? Yes, Uh, it was. In in the non-traditional sense of flamenco. Um, That was uh, El Camarón with Yo Vivo Enamorado. I'm Chloe Veltman, and this is Voicebox. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and friend us on Facebook. And also you can download our free weekly podcasts at voicebox-media.org and also on iTunes. Carola Zertuce of San Francisco Theatre Flamenco and Nina Menendez of the Bay Area Flamenco Festival are here with me in the studio for an exploration of the vocal side of flamenco. Well, let's turn our attention briefly to vocal technique. Nina, you're a a flamenco singer. Could you share with us some of the qualities that a good flamenco vocalist should possess? Oh, should possess. Well, (laughs) I think I touched on this earlier, but the main quality that the best flamenco singers have is the ability to throw all technique to the wind and really focus on the expressivity of the singing, um, to have a tremendous power uh, to express what's inside and to express um, a legacy that they um, are transmitting through the singing. The singing is almost a ritualistic incantation in a way, uh, and it channels um, a whole uh, legacy of history, culture, um, and so the best singers really are able to do that at the drop of a hat, and um, they incarnate this culture and this um, sense of identity. From the dancer's perspective, what makes a great flamenco vocalist, Carola? How can I explain that? But you can see when they really sing for you. So we're going to listen to a couple of clips that demonstrate two of the main vocal stylings um, heard in flamenco vocals. Nina, can you talk us through what we're about to hear, please? One of the things that happens with uh, flamenco singing is that at the beginning of of, uh, when the singer begins uh, in flamenco, generally they begin with what's called a quejido or eyes, um, where the singer does a rendition of what would be in to our ears something like I, I, I. But it's sung rhythmically and it's it's a way of the singer um, warming up the voice, tuning up the voice, but also announcing their own personality and their own um, sense of feeling that will be expressed through their singing. Um, Sometimes it reflects actually, as I've mentioned so many times, 
the family legacy. Mm -hmm. So there'll be, for example, the Agujetas family. Um, as soon as you hear any singer from that particular family begin to sing, and they sing this quejido or eyes at the beginning of their song, well, or of their, I wouldn't want to call it song because then I'm saying something that's not exactly accurate. But at the beginning of when they begin to sing, if there's a member of the Agujetas family who begins to sing and they perform the quejido, um, someone who is uh, familiar with flamenco would know right away that's an Agujetas because mm -hmm. of the sound. And um, the clip that I'd like to share uh, is from La Paquera de Jerez, and she has a very, very distinct mm. um, quejido that's easily recognizable by any flamenco aficionado, and anyone from her family will also use this quejido um, to reflect their heritage. Okay, so let's listen to that clip now. This is Bulerias La Paquera, and it's performed by La Paquera de Jerez. And that was Bulerias La Paquera from La Paquera de Jerez. Amazing, amazing quality she has to her voice. It just soars and yeah. it hits you in the gut, doesn't it? Yes. In fact, um, this Sunday we're going to be presenting a tribute to La Paquera de Jerez, which will be performed by one of her nieces who is uh, currently living in Northern California, the gypsy singer Kina Mendez. Ah. And she's going to be performing at La Peña Cultural Center in Berkeley this coming Sunday, Fantastic. the 11th of March at 8 p.m. And in fact, we'd like to give away some tickets uh, later on in the program to this performance um, where she'll be doing a tribute to her aunt, La Paquera de Jerez. That's great. And so uh, whoever emails in first, info at voicebox-media.org can win a pair of free tickets to this fantastic concert in Berkeley. So um, one more vocal technique we have to discuss. Tell us uh, about what we're going to hear next. Well, um, you heard some of it within the Quejido of La Paquera de Jerez, uh, quite a bit of it as a matter of fact, but I'd like to also share another cut from Agujetas where he demonstrates how, um, well, which illustrates how the flamenco singer, the breathing for flamenco singing mm -hmm. is so important. Uh, it's used in a very different way than in um, classical singing where there's no intent at all to create a pure, or sustained, um, even tone. Uh, the breathing really comes from deep within. It doesn't come from the throat. It doesn't come from the upper chest. It comes really from deep within. And in a, in a sense, it's, it's expelling all this uh, anguish that's inside. Um, and it's used to, the, vo the, the air pushes, is pushed out of the voice, uh, of, the, of the body. Um, and it creates a sound like, and I emphasize that second half of what I just um, sang, where um, you can hear the, the air being expelled. Um, it's a very, it, it sounds flamenco, mm -hmm. but it also is a technique 
um, that protects the voice in a certain way because the throat is not being used and it's not irritating the vocal cords, and yet the voice might be very rough and very um, seemingly untrained um, because the training is completely grassroots. It's completely spontaneous. Mm. And uh, so the, it's, a, it's a technique that is not um, at all like the Western vocal technique. It comes, it, in fact, because much of flamenco singing originated around the blacksmith's forge, you can almost compare this, the singer's voice to the bellows that are used to keep the fire going wow, in the blacksmith's oh, forge. That's really interesting. Yep. Well, let's listen now then to a little clip that, that illustrates this idea. We're going to hear Manuel Aquetas uh, with Enrique del Melcor, and it's a martinette. <laughs> This is Voice Box. So thanks, Nina, for sharing those two vocal techniques with us. And um, we just heard Manuel Aquetas with Enrique del Melcor with a martinet. Uh, I just wanted to mention that Manuel Agujetas will be coming to the Bay Area on May 20th. He's performing in Berkeley at the Freight and Salvage Coffee House on May 20th. And more information about that can be found on our website, bayareaflamencofestival.com. It's a rare opportunity to hear Manuel Agujetas, one of the last of the Mohicans, really, of the most pure form of gypsy flamenco cante. He's in his 70s now, and so the opportunity to hear him live um, is really going to be a speci- very, very special for Bay Area audiences on May 20th at the Freight and Salvage Fantastic. Coffee House. Fantastic. Well, I'll encourage everyone to get on down there. So uh, mostly, though, on the show tonight, with one, one or two rare exceptions, we've really just heard male voices. Um, but there's obviously a rich tradition of, of female flamenco vocal artists. What can you tell us about the role of women versus men singing in flamenco? In traditional um, flamenco families and, and gypsy families uh, and Andalusian families in general, there was a divide, of course, among the sexes where women were more relegated to the home and family mm-hmm. gatherings and men were um, more often in the workplace or out in, um, in civil society. So uh, it's quite common for the male singers to be associated with um, singing in the bars and small gatherings of men, exclusively men, who get together and drink and, and sing. Women tended to sing more in the family gatherings. And of course, in gypsy culture, the wedding and the baptisms are very significant parts of of the cultural life of the community. And those were the places where women singers were more often heard. Um, I can give an example of, uh, in the 20th century, some of the most outstanding female singers, such as um, La Niña de los Peines, Pastora Pavón, um, who was really a pioneer in terms of um, breaking out of the uh, assigned roles for women of just staying in the home and or uh, raising children or 
singing only in family gatherings. And she became an extremely well-known professional singer. She was a Gitana, a gypsy woman, who actually recorded uh, 78s with, I think, R.C. Victor or some of the major mm-hmm. international record labels. She was known to actually sing in Kalo, the gypsy um, language, mixing it in, of course, with Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she was an incredible singer, um, very highly esteemed and, in fact, considered to be the most important female singer of the 20th century. Um, other singers such as La Fernanda mm-hmm. de Utrera, who had to, um, when she was re- uh, discovered by Caracol, who wanted to take her to and her sister go work in Madrid, had to tell the mother that they were just going to go uh, on a trip and uh, to a nearby town. And in fact, when he, when later they were invited to come and sing in the United States at the World's Fair, they told the family that they were just going to Barcelona, <laughs> which already seemed to be really far away and mm-hmm. very scary, but at least it, they didn't, it didn't imply crossing the ocean all the way to the other mm-hmm. side of the planet. Uh-huh. So, um, but these were women who were really breaking out of the stereotypes of their, um, of their culture, and uh, they were really pioneers. And the singing, you know, um, it, one of the things that the female singers had to do within the culture of the times was to be able to survive within a very male-dominated environment in the in terms of singing outside of these family gatherings. So um, the the women were tended to be um, strong personalities, and which also enhanced in a, in a certain way their ability to sing uh, this intense uh, music and these intense situations of... Um, but again... These were singers that were not singing for the dance. They were singing as soloists. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't really call it a soloist exactly because flamenco in it, at its best is always an ensemble mm-hmm. of um, inner communication between the guitarist and the, and the singer. And um, again, they weren't singing for dancers. In fact, um, the most well-known singers, that female singers that were associated with dance were dancers themselves. Yep. such as Carmen Amaya, mm-hmm. who um, mm-hmm. recorded several LPs that were contained singing that was more associated with the style of singing you would do for dance. Oh, okay. mm. Whereas these other singers, such as La Paquera, mm. La Perla, eh, La Niña de los Peines, were more um, singers that did not sing for the dance. They sang as soloists. Well, let's listen now to a trio of great female flamenco vocal artists. We're going to hear from La Niña de los Peñas, La Paquera de Jerez, and La Susi.
This is Voicebox. We just heard a trio of awesome female flamenco singers from different generations. The first track was Quisiero Yo Renegar, sung by La Nina de los Peñas. Second on the playlist was Fandangos de Gloria from La Paquera de Jerez. And last but not least, we heard La Suzy with Noche Oscura. We're talking about the rich tradition of flamenco vocals here on Voicebox with flamenco aficionados Nina Menendez and Carola Zertuche. Um, I'd like to talk now about Enrique Morente, who's a very interesting character, it seems, in the history of flamenco, uh, in a sense, was very controversial. Could you uh, tell us anything about uh, Enrique Morente and, and what he did to become, be so famous and also to, to uh, inspire some people to get uh, a little bit unhappy with what he was doing? Well, a mí me gusta. I, I love him. But we say he changed some of the tones, no? Flamenco, he explored a lot with the cante, but always keeping the roots. And then all his CDs, like the way that he chose the instruments, because sometimes he played with the bass player. He he did a record with rock band, uh-huh. eh, Lagartija Nick. Uh-huh. But bueno, for me, and I think for a lot of people, he had very good taste uh-huh. to when he mixed flamenco with other type of music or with the other instrument and especially that that CD no and he he play all Lorca songs mm-hmm. uh, from Romancero Gitano digo de no Romancero Gitano de Poeta Nueva York it's all the lyrics and mm-hmm. then he mix it with the Lagartijanic no the the rock band mm-hmm. and uh, it's so like the the CD no is so good the way that he chose the poems with the and then with the rock with the but rock he was band. kind of a controversial figure i think some purists yes. didn't really like what he was doing can you talk about that please well that one is difficult no because he have a special voice that a lot of people they don't like his uh, voice why didn't they like his voice because he's not true, maybe... He wasn't true to strong, strong maybe? Well, yeah. it's in a sense, he was more of a, um, a, a singer in the more... in the Western sense of singer than a flamenco singer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a certain way, in, the, in terms of the way he used his voice. Um, and you can hear that, in fact, in his daughter singing, Estrella Morente. She has much more of a pure tone... Um, she doesn't use some of this technique of the mm-hmm. expelling of the breath and the mm-hmm. intensity. It's it's more of a trained voice, mm-hmm. and in a certain way, uh, Morente's voice uh, didn't particularly sound flamenco. Mm-hmm. And his um, 
his approach, he was very knowledgeable about flamenco. He, was, he started out singing very traditional mm-hmm. flamenco. And then he began to innovate and mix flamenco with all different genres and instrumentation. He, he introduced some scales and tones that were, not, that were alien to flamenco in the traditional sense and, um, and created kind of a dissonance at that to the ears of the, the more um, traditional flamenco aficionado sounded quite odd and uh, out of place. Well, let's listen now then to uh, the great uh, Enrique Morente. This is a song called Manhattan. I'm Chloe Veltman and this is Voicebox. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and friend us on Facebook. We just heard a track by Enrique Morente entitled Manhattan. So um, to what extent have artists like Morente helped to spread the fame of flamenco across the world? When he collaborated with another artist, I think he have a, a very open mind. Mm-hmm. That's another help no, that in, he was very open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one thing I've heard about the um, spread of flamenco globally is that it's extremely popular in Japan, of all places. Yes. And there are more flamenco organizations in Japan than there are even in Spain. I yeah. find that astounding. Um, what is it that, uh, that uh, the international community is responding to in flamenco? And, and why, what is it, do you have any idea about what it is the Japanese are tapping into? I think the Japanese are attracted to the the fact that flamenco is so rooted in a tradition and, and because the Japanese are so respectful of tradition and family. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they also associate the dance with uh, martial arts mm-hmm. in a certain way and the discipline of you know um, fitting within a specific structure. Um, and also J- Japan has a fascination for all forms of Western music. You can find incredible country western groups in mm-hmm. Japan that are almost identical to a group you might see in Nashville. Right. And yeah. the same happens with flamenco. Okay, well, we're um, sadly approaching the end of tonight's show. I'd just like to um, reiterate before we go this fantastic ticket giveaway um, that we spoke of earlier. Nina, could you tell us the details once more? Yes, um, Kina Mendez, a gypsy singer from Jerez de la Frontera, will be performing on Sunday, this coming Sunday, March 11th, at La Peña Cultural Center in Berkeley at 8 p.m. And she's going to be doing a very special tribute to um, La Paquera de Jerez, um, Kina is a direct descendant of the Mendez family. La Paquera was, um, you know, the outstanding singer of the Mendez family. And Kina will be tributing La Paquera de Jerez this, uh, in this evening's program. So the first person to write in at info at voicebox-media.org wins those wonderful tickets. Um, so I'd like to thank my guests for tonight's show, uh, flamenca aficionados Carola Zetrucci and Nina Menendez. Thanks, Nina and Carola, for coming into the studio and sharing your passion for flamenco vocals with us. Thank you, Thank Chloe. you. 
You can find out more about San Francisco Theatre Flamenco by visiting www.bayareaflamencofestival.com. Voicebox is an independently produced non-profit project recorded at the studios of KALW in San Francisco. Our series producer is Seth Samuel and the web editor is Victoria Lim. Voicebox needs your support. To find out how you can make a tax-deductible donation to keep us on the air, please visit our website at voicebox-media.org. Donating is safe, easy and tax-deductible through our online PayPal link. Check out our free weekly podcasts on iTunes and via voicebox-media.org and also visit our homepage to mull over and respond to the question of the week. We love to know what you think of us, so friend us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and you can write to us anytime at info at voicebox-media.org. So I'm going to play us out with another boundary-breaking flamenco artist, someone who took the flamenco art form and made it international. Here's Diego El Cigala with Corazon Loco, Crazy Heart. Have a songful week. No te puedo comprender Corazón loco, no te puedo comprender, ni ellas tampoco. Yo no me puedo explicar cómo la puedes amar tan tranquilamente. Yo no puedo comprender cómo se pueden querer dos mujeres a la vez.